Hello and welcome to the Legit Podcast episode 113 for the week of May 1st, 2017. Today might be a slightly shorter episode than usual, I think, but it's going to be an interesting one. And that's because earlier this week, noted game thinker Ian Bogost posted a column for The Atlantic titled, quote unquote, Video games are better without stories. And uh, by the title alone, you can probably assume that it stirred up some strong reactions in the gamosphere. Uh, the subtitle of this article was Film, Television, and Literature All Tell Stories Better. So why are games still obsessed with narrative? And I, I think we have some opinions on that. And now I want to give it kind of an accurate summary of his point. Uh, and I think this is accurate, is that all the big highlights of modern storytelling in games, so the big ones you can think of, like, say, Gone Home and What Remains of Edith Finch, walking simulators, uh, as it were, are limited by being a game and would be better realized as a traditional time-based narrative, uh, such as an animated story. So his he's proposing that <laughs> interacting with the environment only gets in the way and ruins the pacing. And he kind of gets a few digs in at environmental storytelling as well. He also asking, totally disses young adult literature. Oh, no. Yeah, I wrote that in my notes uh, to reference yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> he asks, are they really stories when they are really environments? Oh, um, anyway, okay. <laughs> so those are some of the issues we're going to discuss in today's episode. With me today, as usual, is my co-host, Erlade. Ellie couldn't be here today. Uh, so we've invited back podcast regular and freelance narrative designer, Vajra. Visit Seattle. Go to Puzzle Break, folks. Yes, go to the Puzzle Break room in this uh, locked room puzzle in Seattle, and you will see Vajra's stories in action. Uh, and perhaps you can give us a little artist perspective. Also, you're in our living room. <laughs> yes, that's so, true. So, hi. Hello from the living Studio room. B. Greetings. But let me start off with Vajra. How's your weekend going? I already know the answer to that, so answer carefully. Uh-huh. No, so far so good. Been, uh, haven't played much video games, but uh, have been thinking a lot angrily about this uh, Atlantic story. So that's almost as good. That is almost as good. Uh, Era, how's your weekend going? My weekend will be spectacular in about 30 seconds because you're giving me an opportunity to use um, the literature degree that I am in terrible debt for. And I never Yay! I never get to use it. I'm very excited. And everything this man says is wrong. I, I suggested in our, our podcast Slack channel, I think on like Tuesday, I'm like, this is a really you know controversial article. It'd be a good topic for the podcast. And Era's like, are you trying to make it <laughs> Do we need to try? I knew then. Uh, that this is going to be a good a good choice. Uh, my weekend has also begun very well. I am almost to the end of Mass Effect Andromeda. I feel like I'm almost to the end. Of, every time I make a little bit of progress, like another character pops up and it's like, oh, no, but can you please go, like, you know, collect my five chickens and stuff like that. I, I am really enjoying the game. I'm still really enjoying the game. I know I spoke quite highly of it two weeks ago, and I still stand by that. I feel like it could be like 20% shorter, though, or I think I'm just at that point I get with all open world games where I get about 100 hours in, and I'm like, you know what? Just screw it. I just, I'm done with this. <laughs> Fuck you, the hinterlands. <laughs> I, right, exactly. Yeah, it was the same with, it's the same with Dragon Age, it was the same with The Witcher. I hit that magical, like, 100 hour threshold, and then I'm just like, you know what? The wonder and whimsy of this world is over. I'm just <laughs> There is no more whimsy. Oh, right. There is only Zool. Uh, <laughs> exactly. One thing we did do this weekend is, uh, and I want to kind of talk about this in a future episode, but just because it's au courant, is we watched a lot of Outlast 2 and oh, Let's yeah, Play over yeah. the weekend. And it's got a lot of pushback at last two because uh, it's particularly gory and terrible. Like there's a room where you have to walk in a bunch of dead babies. Wow. Right off yeah. the bat, they don't they, they they put that one in right at the front, so you kind of know what you're getting into. So you're like, well, it's it's all downhill from here. This is where things start yeah. out like the sanity high point, and then things go off the rails from here. 
Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, I, I will, we could talk more about that once I've seen the end of it, because people say it redeems itself, but I'm like, how do you redeem walking on a room full of dead babies? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, but let's talk about stories in games. Arrow, how, do, where do you want to kick this off? The first place I want to kick off is with a glaring omission in his thesis, which is he doesn't mention theater at all. And I think that is incredibly important when you're talking about interactive storytelling. Because theater, it's not just... Like, each one of these media tells a story in a different way. It's not... You can't tell the same story in a movie that you can tell in a novel, that you can tell on stage, that you can tell on a game. And um, one of my very favorite examples of this, because I'm a big old musical theater nerd, is... They made a movie of Little Shop of Horrors and they had to change the ending after they had already filmed it and spent a bajillion dollars filming it. Because in the theater, even though it's an interactive experience, you are by definition distanced from the story. So it was totally cool in the theater that rocks fall and everyone dies. That's the point that the plant wins. But then they go and do that in the movie where you are more immersed and it's more personal because you get close-ups and you get to you know, identify more closely with the characters, they couldn't kill them. So that's... That is very interesting. I hadn't, I did not know that, the difference between the two. And that, that's a really Yeah, they, they, they actually cut my very favorite song out because they couldn't, they couldn't put it in the movie. Because the whole, yeah, it's a, they, they kind of snuck in the theater ending um, where they, they, the very last shot of the movie is a little baby Audrey in their yard. They kind of snuck that in there. But that's like the... Audrey 2 eats everyone, and that's the end of the show on stage uh, because it's a, it's a Faustian story, and that's the point. And you can't do that in a movie. Just like in, um, like in a book, you can't show, you have to tell, or the other way around. But you know what I mean. Um, like, there's more descriptive language that you will use in a novel that you will then you won't use in a screenplay and in a game i think combines a narrative game will combine aspects of all of these media because you are searching for the story and inventing it yourself as you do with a novel and it's interactive as it is in theater and it's also playing for you as it is on a film and i think where games run into trouble is when they try to tell a film story in a game or they try to tell a game story in a movie. I mean, have there been any good video game films? There have been fun ones, absolutely. But have there been any good ones? Well, by what definition of good? Like award-winning? That's that's what I mean. Like a, a critically successful film as a film. Hmm. Yeah, that has Exactly. <laughs> and almost always, you'll have people talking about how the book is better than the movie. Very rare occasions... And usually it's because of it. The book was written by someone, you know, just fapping over their typewriter um, that you get a better film. Uh, Fight Club and Jaws are two. That's that's an excellent description of the process. I'm sure he went through writing uh, Fight Club. Uh, American Psycho also movie is better than the book. Yes. Yes. That's a good one. Vajra, do you think there's a narrative difference between a book and a video game? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, okay, part of my problem with the the article, I'm going to kind of segue back just for a moment here, is he seems to spend a lot of time comparing video games to novels, but 
for reasons that he, I, I don't entirely understand. They are that is that's a bad thing. Um, both of them kind of tell a linear story. Well, not necessarily a linear story. A story that you get from point A, the beginning of the the narrative arc, you know, through the the conflict to the resolution to an ending. I mean, sometimes that kind of the, the linearity of the time frame is broken up, and you jump around in time in the story. But ultimately, there's there's just it's it's telling a story from the beginning where you kind of present the characters to the end. Um, pretty much any video game with any sort of story behind it, any sort of narrative arc to it, kind of follows that same that that same rule system. Whether it jumps around in time, you know, whose perspective you inhabit at any given moment, the reliability of the narrators, all that's kind of up to the writer. Um, I, I guess I just, I, from everything I got from that article, it sounds like he's kind of agreeing with my perspective that games have reached about the point where they can tell as good a story as a novel. Because, as Arrow pointed out, you know, the the, the media's mediums of um, screen and stage, there are limits what you can to what you can do based on like a written text. Because if in the novel you say, you know, let's talk about like cosmic horror, Cthulhu horror. You know, someone encounters uh, a horrible, unseen beast with a, you know, with a, with a terrible form that is difficult to describe or even represent on a screen or on a stage. You can do that in a video game because it's all as good as your your 3D renderers, your graphics people, your your your, your designers. Um, I, I feel like books, novels specifically, and video games present huge opportunities for a uh, narrative that film um, and stage particular unfortunately cannot just because you can defy reality you can you can do whatever you want it's a much more open blank slate um, I, I feel like uh, video games are just now kind of hitting the point where they're reaching the level of depth of storytelling the fullness of characters that you see in, in, in a good book and you look at you know like a very small percentage of games that actually create characters that what's the word I'm looking for that real that that identifiable that you feel you can have a connection with. I see where you're going, and I don't disagree necessarily, but I also think that the interactive nature of a video game can make those people more real to you. Yeah, um, absolutely. And much like the way that like a musical can tell different stories in different ways than a straight film because our brains mm -hmm. process music differently. So you can say very simplistic things in a song and they'll feel more profound to a listener because they're in verse. And like um, Final Fantasy X is a great example for me personally with a story I have been you know, emotionally invested in for 20 years because I played along with it. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily would have had the same effect on me if it had been just a movie. I, I say just a movie, but, or, or a novel. That was one of the things that really struck me about this article is, I mean, he talks about how a lot of these walking simulator, simulator games um, would have been just as good in some sort of like as a an animation or or a movie or whatever and i feel like there the difference between an interactive and a passive medium is significant and if i'm just to sit back and watch someone else's story it doesn't affect me the same as if i'm like first person i'm looking through their eyes and i feel like his article kind of completely ignored that and that's not even getting into games you know like mass effect where you know you are getting to shape the character i mean there's something there's a certain tangibility to to being able to be that character and interact with things as you would instead of just sitting on my couch, you know, eating a snack and, and watching someone else. And also discovering the story, even in these what he calls the walking simulator games, 
Um, or like something like Inquisition did this really well, where you pick up the lore in the area where you are, so it's in context, and then that builds the world out for you. And that sense of discovery, that creates that sense of wonder, which then, I don't know, amplifies the story. And not all games with stories are created equal. This is the other thing we have yeah. to, to bear in mind here, is that a game like Gone Home has a much different scope, a breadth of narrative design than, say, Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of games, I would agree, would probably do just as well as a movie or as an animation, as a game, because their scope is so much smaller. In the same way that there are books that I think would make a great movie, and some might make a good half-hour special. Yeah. You know, it's it's unfair to compare, to say that, you know, because Gone Home is a very narrow game with a very limited perspective and a very linear story, that all games with a narrative and a particular perspective are equally, I don't know, what are... are are equally reducible to a, a simple animated video. And I it, just, it, he also doesn't differentiate, like, he, he includes all narrative games as one unit, you know, and right, some of them suck, and some of them aren't successful, just like some movies aren't successful. And he mm-hmm. doesn't even acknowledge the fact that there's a whole lot of garbage out there in every media. I mean, I make a habit of reading garbage novels. That's like, that's what I do when I'm in line at the grocery store is I read garbage novels because they're hilariously terrible and they're not good. They're not successful. They exist. But the percentage of, I mean, the getting the gold out of the dross is going to be difficult in every media. Right. You wouldn't look at this garbage novel and say like, well, clearly novels are, you know, better without dialogue or something because because this is a garbage novel. Uh, One thing he touched on and I I quoted in the intro was that are are, is it really storytelling when it's environment? And and I want to throw that to you first, Vasha, because I know you're a Dark Souls player and Dark Souls. I haven't played them firsthand. um, They're they're lauded for their environmental storytelling. Yeah. Do, Do you feel that counts as story? Absolutely. Absolutely. How a story is told to you does not change. I mean, that doesn't like that doesn't increase or decrease its value as a story. A story can be told in the scope of someone sitting down and telling you uh, a folk tale from beginning to end. It can take the form of reading a book. It can take the form of disconnected vignettes that kind of build a scenario. Dark Souls is a great example of this because they it's a game where they hand you almost nothing to begin with. Virtually everything you know about the world, the story, comes from your own observation, your own just paying attention. Um, it can be as simple as little half-heard mutterings from, you know, a a crazy NPC you encounter or the description of an item you picked up somewhere. Uh, You know, environmental storytelling, it breaks up the narrative into lots of little pieces and you only are guaranteed to get all of the narrative if you're dedicated to the game you're playing. But it's still a a story and if the writing is good, you can still tell a cracking good yarn, even if it's all broken up in little one paragraph tablets scattered all over a game world. I, I, I think that the notion that environmental storytelling isn't real storytelling is, well, okay, A, it sounds like an elitist book snob. B, mm. it sounds specious. I would like to set it on fire. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like this is a bad article and he should feel bad. Even if games can't tell good stories, saying that environmental, which is bullshit, which is bullshit but even if that were true, Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
saying that environmental storytelling isn't real storytelling is shitting on every single great director and cinematographer and set director and costume designer in film. Yeah, I, I have to imagine pretty much every like every every set designer in, everywhere in Hollywood would, would have read that and said, "Fuck you, dude." Exactly. I, I mean, and I just mean... like I'm sure Guillermo del Toro is you know somewhere he feels a sense of disturbance in the force and doesn't know why. And this is why it's because this asshole said that what you do isn't real storytelling. I don't know exactly what he was trying to prove with that statement, but it, it didn't. It really didn't generate any goodwill. I, I, I yeah, it's completely yeah. wrong. It's so wrong. One of the rules of of writing a good narrative is is show don't tell, and I feel like environmental storytelling plays really nicely into that concept of showing and because you can literally show and not tell. You can tell a lot of story just by what you see in a place. Yes, um, you know, like if. A great example is in in the Fallout series and the the 3D versions, like the modern ones. The the, the folks at Bethesda and uh, Obsidian picked up on this really well too. Were really big about telling little stories with bodies you found from people that died during the the nuclear war. So you would come into like a building and find uh, a body lying on a bed. It's just a skeleton at this point, lying on a bed surrounded by dead flowers. And in the in the the bathroom, you find another skeleton lying in the bathtub with a whole bunch of empty empty drug containers and empty bottles of vodka lined up next to it. And you kind of say, okay, I see, I see what happened here. (laughs) I kind of, and there's no, there's no narrative. There's no, no, nothing is written down. You don't find anything, find out who these people were or why they were there. All you get is this heartbreaking moment where you saw how one person died and someone else couldn't go on without them or yeah. I mean, and that, that was without any words at all. And that's the definition of showing, not telling. So yeah, I I agree. Okay, Eric, you you mentioned something, and when we were leading in here, you made a, a little comment about uh, his snark at Gone Home in particular. Uh, he called it young adult fiction and said, "quote unquote," uh, talked speciously. If if the ultimate, what are we supposed to think if the ultimate bar for meaning in games is set at teen? Fair? Oh my god, you motherfucking douchebag! <laughs> I have three words for this guy. <laughs> Last of Us. I have two words for this guy, and it's Madeline Langle. That's actually better, yeah. There's nothing wrong with... I mean, and I I admit I am the book snob that's like, oh, we're reading Harry Potter. Um, but there's nothing wrong with teen fair, first of all. And second of all, I think it is... And I, I mean, I'm sorry to bring the, the politics into this. I'm not really sorry. Yeah. Um, but it's extremely... I don't know, white dude of him to say, well, you know, oh, that's teen fair. And that was one of the things I found about this whole article that really ignored the fact that so many people whose identities have never been reflected in games can find their identities reflected in these little indie, you know, walking simulators or little, you know, storytelling. And he just totally sort of steamrolled right over all of that. Yeah, I feel like a pretty poignant story of someone kind of a young person discovering their sexuality, particularly a young woman discovering her sexuality is a story that doesn't get told very often in popular young adult fiction. I mean, like, not in this sense, anyway. Well, it it depends on the young adult fiction. Also true. But, I mean, I guess I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty grown-up story, even if it's about young people. I feel like it's pretty profound stories been told about this very subject for a long time. So You can tell profound stories aiming at children, and I think yeah. Yeah. it is super important to do that. 
I mean, treating kids like they're idiots and treating their the media aimed at them as less than because kids are idiots, so this stuff is all dumb also, does a grave disservice to the people who produce that content and the people who consume it. Yeah. Again, I mean, Madeline Langell, that not even my very favorite novels, but they're up there, um, I would say, in the top three. But everyone has read at least one of her books. I am pretty sure even Lior the Book Snob has read at least one Madeline Langell book. And those tell very profound stories, and they're aimed at children. And that's... There is nothing about art that says it must be for adults. There's nothing about stories that must be for adults. I mean, my very favorite book in the entire world is a picture book. And, Which one? Uh, it's called The Cookie Tree by Jay Williams. No one has ever heard of it. So I, it's been out of print mm, okay. um, as long as I've been alive. So one year I scanned it and I put it on my server and I would be happy to share it with you. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, and it's it it's also a super profound story um, about, you know, wonder and listening to people. And it just, just because it's young adult fare doesn't make it garbage. And I, yeah, sure, there's garbage in there. There's garbage for everyone. I mean, there's Desperate Housewives is not for young adults. <laughs> but still garbage. I would just, like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think writing off something as being like, well, if this is the best we can do is young adult fair, then, you know, whatever to the whole medium. I mean, that that's ridiculous. But also not assuming that adults can come to something like Gone Home and be like, hey, I'm also getting something out of this. You know, just because it wasn't it wasn't his experience doesn't mean it's not a valid experience. I, I found the whole article to be very, very... Uh, reflective of his limited viewpoint and not really taking into consideration the the deep variety of narratives that can come out. Dude is out not very of, well read yeah, well, at all. Well, <laughs> I also think one other point I wanted to make about uh, the article was it completely ignored the games. And I, I will admit there aren't a lot of them, but there are a number of games that come along that need to be a game to tell their story and the big one that comes to my mind is her story oh wow which came out a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and that you know i mean you are searching through a database of video clips to put together the narrative there is no way her story could exist in some kind of film or book or whatever format it needs to be a game and you know he just totally like her story apparently doesn't exist part of the problem there is he was doing this really weirdly reductive thing where he and tell me if I misread the article in this, he seemed to be saying, because video games have not yet reached the level of interactive storytelling of an imaginary sci-fi future, where truly interactive, three-dimensional virtual reality stories are the norm, this medium has failed. I He seems to spend this a lot of time agonizing over how, because video games haven't reached this still technologically impossible level of immersion that there is no immersion that it's it may as well not have happened at all and that is so blinded stories like her story i mean there are so many things that only a video game can really do for interactivity and it seems like he just sort of waves that off as well it's not total verisimilitude so it's shit uh, this dude really strikes me as one of those people who says that Citizen Kane is the best film of all time. Oh, God. Without understanding anything about it or why it is so critically lauded. Um, spoiler alert, it's not the best film of all time. It is the best technical film of all time. 
not the best story of all time. The, the cinematography, and it was the first film to ever have a, like a, a real score behind it that told part of the story in it. Hey, by the way, music can tell stories, asshole. Uh, it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. And everyone is like, ooh, this is the Citizen Kane of games. Yes, it's technically amazing, but it's garbage. It's pet peeve. Sorry. Yeah, this article is just all whack. I mean, to be fair, I'm just, people with columns write columns to get clicks, and there boy, were many clicks. I mean, clicks. exactly. <laughs> Ian Bogtrog, you got me. So congratulations, you <laughs> fucking troll. You yeah, got, it a, got a lot of clicks. It got a lot of very thoughtful responses. Um, I would go read Austin Walker and Patrick Klepek's two responses on Waypoint. I think are both very good at defending stories and games. Uh, and it got a lot of angry game developers, particularly indie game developers on Twitter uh, in the days following it. So, you know, great. He got a bunch of clicks. He got a lot of attention. Yeah. yeah. Pay for another month of server time. That's pretty much all you can do about internet journalism right really? now. Right. God help <laughs> us. God, that is so true. Um, Aaron, any, any thoughts, further thoughts on this that you want to share? I'm sorry that he was so wrong that I was not rageful enough to be hilarious, but just it's so wrong and it makes me tired when it's so wrong. I mean, that's the thing is like, I can't even get really mad about this. I feel like, you know, when this guy announces that, you know, environmental storytelling isn't storytelling. I feel like One Punch Man. Okay. The globe had a stage in the round for a reason. He's never heard of theater, apparently, ever. I feel like his one out here is you can make stories, uh, games that have no story that can be good if you have very limited expectations from them. You know, if all you're looking for is a time filler, if you want to play some Candy Crush or whatever, that doesn't have a story. You don't need a story for that. You just need to make the, the colored candies that look the same bump into one another and you're happy and there's good sounds. And, you know, a game without story, that's about all you can do. Even Mario has story. Even Mario has a story. But, like, you know, I mean, if you make games without stories, they're they're great time fillers and everything, but when was the last time you saw someone cosplaying their favorite gem from Bejeweled? I can sort of... I'm trying to be gracious here. I can sort of see an interpretation of this where the story can interfere with mechanics. And I think that's something that we have encountered before where, you know, the mechanics of video games are somewhat at odds with the story. Um, Mostly... I run into it a lot when, you know, a video game is set up so you can kill and destroy things and the story maybe doesn't necessarily roll with that. So I think there is something legitimate to to say along those lines, whether it's video games are better without stories. No, but sure. Story can clash with mechanics. Stories can be bad. Stories can not exist. Oh, this article so stupid. <laughs> this guy. There are mindless action flicks out there. Why can there not yeah. be mindless action games? I mean, it... Uh, there exists right. in this universe room for all kinds of stories told in all kinds of ways. And placing one above the other is ignorant at best. And just because video games are not at the point of being, you know, a, a data spike you plug into your the base of your skull so you can experience it all in real time, just because we're not there yet doesn't mean we're not going to get there. And I think we should stick with the medium. I don't think we should give up on trying to tell good stories and games. If anything, I think we should be continue trying to develop better technology to tell bigger, better stories and games. I know. I know. All right. I think we've probably covered this article. Is stupid. Very Ian Bogtrog, your story is bad and you should feel bad. He should never try to tell a narrative story. Wouldn't want to be teen fair. 
<laughs> what video games have you been playing in the last couple of weeks, Arrow? Uh, Andromeda and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, and still trying to finish those. Um, I actually I have a show in seven weeks, so right now my life is full of lie um, because it takes six weeks for soap to cure. So, whee! Ooh, <laughs> nice. That kind of puts your Fight Club reference earlier in some perspective. Oh. God. <laughs> I think a lot about making soap. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I, where are you at with Andromeda? Uh, I am. I finished the third planet. About to go to the fourth planet. Um, we all got really sick last week, so I'm kind of behind. Two tiny germ factories in the house. That happens. They are germ factories. I hear that. <laughs> uh, Vajra, what have you been playing the last couple of weeks? Uh, playing near Automata. Is that the it, Naked Robot one? Yeah, that's the Naked Robot Simulator. Okay. Uh, it's. God, talk about games that tell very bizarre stories yeah yoko taro is a very strange man i i commend him for his his efforts in the field uh yeah i've been playing a fair bit of that um fair bit of dark souls 3 just because i have a dlc i haven't even touched yet and <laughs> that is a, that is a great looking world they you know for all of their various video game sins from software makes beautiful beautiful games but yeah putting them both on ice for a while to uh work on uh my own writing so they'll have to, they'll get, they're going to have to go on ice for a bit. Your own writing and maybe a little bit of Persona 5. Let's get Persona 5. Well, yes, Persona 5 is sort of a given. I feel like that's just sort of, when that shows up on the PlayStation, I'm I'm going to disappear into a blanket fort to play that. I've never played a Persona game in my life. I don't even know what they are. You're missing out. You're I hear that. Get but Persona I also 3. hear people tell me that uh, they would just make me sad and angry. I'm not sh- sure. I don't, Persona 4 Golden is the one that's adapted for mobile, and they took some of the grind out of it. I would definitely recommend that as uh, a something to, to jump into. Uh, plus, mobile makes it you know kind of nice. You can play it wherever you are. I've also been playing Mass Effect and Drama. That's it. That's all I've been playing because I am focused on it. I want to get it done, and then I can play Persona 5. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't be at. me and pick up a game when you're in the middle of another game, because then you'll never finish the game. I'm sorry, Aloy, I'm coming back soon, I promise. <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn is on my list, but I'm waiting for a gap in my in my place. Actually, my I, I haven't logged into WoW since the day uh, Mass Effect Andromeda came out. My, my subscription <laughs> just true. renewed. Oh, God. Like, oh, sorry, guildies. I'm still alive. Broadly speaking. <laughs> Broadly alive speaking. Alive, but in space. Yeah, and then Persona, and then Horizon Zero Dawn, and then, oh my god, there's so many good games to play This right is now. a good time to be a um, gamer. Oh man, and I've got American Gods in 15 minutes as soon as we're done here, so. Oh, shit. Wait, the show? Yeah. <gasps> Start, it starts today? Starts tonight, yes. Ooh, I know what I'm totally not going to pirate off the internet. I'm um, kidding, folks. She's kidding. Don't sue us, stars. She's <laughs> kidding. I'm totally, I'm totally She's kidding. She's a joker, that one. That's awesome. Let's talk about that in two weeks because I am super psyched for I'm that. actually a little concerned because I've never read the book because Neil Gaiman's prose style doesn't usually do it for me. I appreciate his stories. I just don't really enjoy the way he tells them, which is totally cool. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah um but like i love orlando jones i have forever um and the pictures that they put up uh for each of the characters got me twitching with um my mica and that makes me nervous i really don't need any more but they look so good you may be the only person who's watching american gods for orlando jones i you're awesome okay (laughs) one of the most fun actors in the world and one of my favorite 
folkloric antiheroes. Just what what do you want from me? I is he playing? He's playing a he's Nazi? playing a Nazi. Yeah, Mister okay. Nancy himself. He's gonna be yeah, great. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I'm excited for Ian McShane. Well, Ian McShane was born to play Mister Wednesday. Born for that role. I am so excited. I didn't know that was tonight, though. Yay! Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> Ian McShane dished one of my favorite books in the whole wide world, and I've been kind of mad at him ever since. Wow, harsh. Yeah. Wow. It was when he was in the movie for the book, and he talked about how the book was garbage, but the movie was so terrible, I had to get drunk before I could watch it. What? Okay, go on. What movie? Uh, It's called The Seeker. It's it's young adult. You wouldn't like it. Oh, yeah. He was in the movie of that? Yes, he was married. No shit. Yeah, and all he did was talk about how awful it was, and he didn't read books for children. Oh, for and this God, is seriously yeah. the most important book of my life. Well, it sounds like Mr. McShane and I would get along. In my defense, <laughs> I did first read it when I was 10. See, I mean, that's a good defense. And then and then I turned 11, and Merriman didn't come for me, and I cried the entire birthday. That's how important this book was to me. <laughs> See, Vosser has read the book, so he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was I was a very strange. I can see little arrow broken hearted. Yes, <laughs> completely broken. I could not make my parents explain why I did not want to party for my birthday and why I was so sad the day after. Could not make them understand. Kids and people say that children's books don't have very meaningful narratives. There you go. It ruined your whole birthday. It did. So I mean that's. <laughs> um. We will be back as reference in two weeks where we will talk maybe about maybe I'll have finished Mass Effect Andromeda. Maybe we'll have watched some uh, uh, American Gods. We'll see how it goes. We'll are on Twitter at Totally Legit Pod. You can find us online, totallylegitpublishing.com slash the podcast. Uh, we have all of our previous 112 episodes there going back like three years now or something, which is And crazy. like 17 and of them are episode 69. <laughs> no, that is not true. And the math does not work for that. <laughs> Does not hold. Uh, Thank you for watching and or listening and goodbye.